Uh, today, as we focus our minds on the scriptures, we're coming to a new series in, uh, which is titled Financial Wisdom from Proverbs. But this is one of these really tricky areas. Um, we really want to spend some time focusing on this, so it's going to be over the next four weeks. Um, but it, it's a kind of one of these areas in scriptures where you've got to be really careful about how much emphasis and how much focus you actually give this. Uh, because on one side of it, if we spend all our time focusing on it, it starts to sound like we've got, this is God's growth strategy for your wealth. Um, and our attention starts to get shifted to finances and growth uh, and kind of accumulating wealth, uh, which is okay, but it comes with a bit of a danger because it can actually end up sounding a little bit like, you need more money. Uh, and this whole prosperity thing, that part of what it means to be a Christian is to grow wealth and have these finances as symbols that you are children of an almighty God who has all the wealth of the world and why wouldn't he bless you with all this gold and silver and fancy jewellery and cars and all those sorts of things. So we've got to be really careful as we focus on this that we don't end up going down that track um, because that's the very opposite of the thing the Bible's trying to tell us about finances. So you get this thing um, from Ecclesiastes where it says this, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And this too is meaningless. And so we've got to be really careful as we go over these next four weeks that we keep ourselves firmly planted in the place of worshipping God and not letting finances become the things that run us or rule us because we are material people and we live in a material world. So we've got to deal with this. There's dangers on both sides. If we focus all our attention uh, on finances and growing wealth and those sorts of things, then it becomes a God. It becomes idolatry. But if you don't spend any time thinking about it and any time kind of uh, making sure you're acting wisely in this area, then it becomes foolishness uh, and you end up in a position where you don't want to be, um, and chaotic and uh, in poverty. Now, and, the, and the Bible actually does say that poverty is not a good thing. Right? There's, there's streams of Christianity today that want to say that poverty is a good thing uh, and that the more poor you are, the more you're closer to Jesus uh, in that sense. And, and there's a, they, they do have a logic behind it that Jesus, um, what does it say? foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So there is a, a sense of that. But if you look at the overall scriptures, it's saying that poverty is actually not a good thing uh, and that having wealth or, for a reason is actually wisdom from the scriptures. So given all that, that's giving a bit of a, a prelude to this whole thing to say, whatever you do over these weeks, don't think we're saying you need more money. All right, this is not a prosperity thing, but there is wisdom in this. It's a material world. We've got to learn to deal with the material things wisely uh, in a godly fashion. So where do we start with this? Let's have a look at what's the first thing to be said about wisdom in the, finance, in the area of finances from the Proverbs. So um, Proverbs 3, if you've got a Bible there or if you want to have a look at this, the whole Proverbs got uh, little bits and pieces to say about it, but I'm just picking up from 13 through to about 20. Uh, and it says this, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire compare 
with her, or nothing you can desire compare with her. And so we get this really interesting start to this. You know, when we talk about finances and return on investment and being prudent and making wise investments, what's the first thing the scripture actually tells us about this? If you want to invest in something, if you want a really good return on your investment, invest in wisdom. Start searching out wisdom. It's better than any gold. It's better than any silver. It's better than rubies and precious stones. It's better than crypto. It's better than the bank. It's better than anything you can think of. If you seek wisdom, that's where you're going to get the best return on your investment. Now, and it makes total sense. Even this idea, I love the way um, the, the scriptures often are symbolic and poetic in the way they say things. And, and it's actually beautiful in the description because it says so much in such a little space. But when we think about this, nothing you desire can compare to wisdom. Right? Now, if you just stop and think about it for a minute and actually make it concrete, what is something that you really desire? You know, is it that fantastic holiday? Is it that perfect holiday, five stars, hotels, someone cleaning your room for you, cooking for you, everything's laid on, tours every day, excitement, fun, everything you ever wanted on a holiday, is that your secret desire? Well, that doesn't compare to wisdom. It doesn't even come close. Or is it that fancy car, you know, that really good car, comfortable, you know, gears, I'm just, I'm, I'm driving it right now. Um, you know, screeching around the corners. Now, I've I got to admit that um, when I thought about this, I thought, yeah, you know what? I'd really love a V4 Panigale Super Legra. You know, that's the, the top, top um, Ducati motorcycle you can buy. Um, and you think, isn't that, oh, I'd love that. But wisdom is better than that. In actual fact, the more I think about it, wisdom actually would say, don't get it. That's a dumb thing. You'll lose your license, for starters, and you'll probably lose your life. Not to mention how much it's going to cost you in insurance. Um, so this whole thing, it doesn't matter what it is, the perfect house, the perfect home, the perfect holiday, the perfect vehicle, the perfect anything, whatever this desire is, wisdom is better than all those things because it actually will put them into perspective and give you the very thing you're looking for. And in fact, that's the next part of what this proverb tells us. Wisdom actually gives you the things you're looking for elsewhere. So it says this, long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honour. Now, we need to stop for a second and just think about that from a century, a pre-Christ uh, ancient Israel perspective when these Proverbs are being written. Right? So when it says, long life is in her left hand and riches and honour are in her right hand, this is kind of like a gathering up of this idea of shalom, um, this idea of a prosperous, peaceful life under the Spirit of God following Jesus. Right? following Yahweh in ancient Israel, following Jesus for us. All right? So it's this idea that these things, this long life, when you kind of accumulate a, a long life in their era, because people died early, it was a brutal life. You had a lot of dangers to get through. Life was harsh and hard. Um, and if you could survive all that through wisdom uh, and acting wisely in your life, then you'll have a long life, which means you'll have your family around you. This, it's not long life for the sake of long life in ancient Israel. It's for the idea of having an extended family, your name going on for a long time. So you've got your family around you and your children around you and your children's children and their children all gathered around you. And you have enough, enough riches to actually provide a safe place for all those people. 
And that's what the idea is here. And if you live wisely, that's the kind of life you'll end up with. One that's actually safe and secure for not only you, but the people around you. And you'll have wealth. And the, the other part of that is honour. That you'll be honoured not only by your family, but by those in the community because you live in such a righteous uh, and well thought through uh, kind of a way rather than a chaotic, unrighteous life. And so that's what it's trying to say. And then when people seek riches, what is it they're actually looking for? They're looking for the symbols of success and the sense of being honoured because they're doing something that actually collects uh, you know, symbols around them that says this is a successful person in life. That's what people are looking for, or they're looking for security, something around them to make a secure, protected life around them. And this is what the Scriptures are saying. Look, if you pursue wisdom, those things will become part of your life. Now, I need to also say, I better add this little caveat to that, is in the wisdom literature and in other parts of the Scriptures, these are not kind of conditional promises, like you do this and then this will happen. Right? They're actually promises that are general observations about the world that God has created. Most of the time, in general, this is what will follow on from these actions. Now, it's not always true. Sometimes people do all this sort of stuff, and then they still end up through someone else's actions, actually being caught up in a drama that wasn't of their own making, uh, and end up in a position they didn't want to be in uh, because they just got caught up in something that wasn't part of their decision-making. So it's not... It's not 100% guaranteed, but most of the time, in general, if you follow these principles from the Scriptures, it will work out that way. So what's the first thing we can say about wisdom in finance? Seek wisdom rather than finance. Seek wisdom rather than wealth. That's the first thing we need to say. Because if we get that right, all the other things will fall into place. And in fact, that's what Jesus says in the New Testament. When he says in Matthew's Gospel, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. Do not worry about what you'll eat and what you'll drink and what you'll wear. Seek first the kingdom of God. And if you do that, these other things will fall into place. And again, I want to reiterate this, all right? because we are going to spend a few weeks focusing on finances, but there's always a danger that it actually starts to take over. So Luke actually gives it, it, puts it even more strongly and why we need to be even more cautious with this. When he says this um, from chapter 16, verse 13, where he says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You have to prioritise God and the kingdom of God first. It has to be the firm foundation. Otherwise, one of the things wisdom in the scriptures tell us is finances and, and money will actually get in your heart and draw you away from God. It has that kind of power about it. And we need to be very cautious with it in that regard. And so that's, uh, we need to start there, and that's the most important principle in this whole series as we go through. All right, so what else can we say about wisdom in the area of finances? All right, the second thing we can say is we've got to think long-term. We've got to get rid of any of these ideas of get rich quick. Anything in that category is not from the Scriptures, it's not from God. Um, it's worldly wisdom that's trying to increase your wealth without any work involved. We're going to say some more about that next week. But simply, what's the second thing we can do? Think long-term, and that includes things like budgeting and planning, thinking ahead, 
having a contingency, all those kinds of things come into this idea of long-term planning. And then the Proverb 13 says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And that just makes sense. It's just simple kind of logic in the world that we live in. Now, um, the business insider, and you, if you've been around more than five minutes, you, you know this stuff, all right? So Business Insider says, if you're a 25-year-old and you put away $100 a week um, and just pocket it away over your lifetime, by the time you're 65, you'll have more than $450,000 in the bank um, or in investments. That's just based on the most conservative estimates of uh, compounding interest over that 45-year period or 40-year period. So it's just simple kind of maths. And if we get our mindset like this and we start actually saying, okay, that's something that's a wisdom from the Scriptures. Let's actually do that. Let's do what God tells us to do and see what it might bring into our lives. Now, I know this works. Not because I've been great at this, because that's the problem with this, isn't it? 25, when you're 25, it's hard to think 40 years ahead and start planning and being disciplined to do that. But I met a rare character um, quite a, maybe 12 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, um, a rare young man um, who was in his early 20s. He might have only been 21. Uh, now, he had gone, grown up in a family, a Presbyterian family, who had really uh, embraced uh, John Wesley's principle, earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, give as much as you can. And so when I met this guy, he was in a situation where he had virtually no expenses in his life, but he was earning, you know, it wasn't a huge amount of money, but he was earning quite a, a significant salary. So he was actually banking all of it except for a little bit of money he needed for his small number of uh, expenses that he had. Now, he was very fortunate in the sense that he didn't have very many expenses. That's not everyone's circumstance, I know. Now, I ran into that guy a couple of years back. Now, and he told me he had like a 20-year plan. Um, and I ran into him and I said to him, because it was so extraordinary to find uh, such a young guy with you know, this discipline and also a plan uh, in place. So I said to him, it was one of the first things I said, I said, how's that plan going? And he laughed. He said, I've already bought my first house. I paid cash. That was two years. I think he bought it about four years ago. You know, I paid cash. So he'd been able to save in about 10 years enough money to buy, to pay cash for a house. And then he said, oh, now I'm started on my second one. So he's on his way on this thing. Now, sadly, I didn't ask him the question. I should have now, now that I'm telling you this story, um, about how much he was giving because it didn't sound like he was giving much away. Now, that goes, back to, that goes back to the first thing we said. Beware. If you put your emphasis and focus on money and accumulating wealth, it can take your heart as well. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. We've got to have the firm foundation in seeking God first and seeking his kingdom first. So that's the, the second thing we can say. Think long-term when it comes to finances. Now, the one that goes along with that, and which this guy was actually exemplifying, is live simply, all right? The whole idea of don't spend more than you earn. Live within your means. Now, these are very basic principles, but it's amazing how many people struggle with this. Live within your means, particularly in our current culture where everybody around you seems to be spending money like they've got you know, millions in the bank and it's very hard not to get drawn along with that and think, oh, yeah, 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 if I just do this, oh, maybe I could just buy that. And so this whole idea, you have to be disciplined. Live simply, live within your means. Many people who grew up in an older era learned that whole thing about being frugal and those people never went without. They always had enough. 
because they actually lived within their means. Now, the guy I was just telling you about was a great example of someone who was just you know, only spending as little as he could to save as much as he could. But I'll tell you a story about another guy I met um, who was spending more than he earned. And he came to see me because he was in trouble with debt and finance. He actually had like a luxury car. He had a loan on a luxury car. The watch he was wearing was worth about three grand because I know that. I thought, gee, that's a really nice watch. And he goes, oh, yeah, I spent $3,000. Told me this big story about how great this watch was. And then I was talking to him. And then um, he had his sunglasses on his head. Oh, fancy sunglasses too. $400 for the sunglasses. You know? And so it wasn't long before I said, you know, hey, maybe the, the problem here is actually you're actually spending a lot more than you earn on things you don't really need. And this is the proverb from Proverbs 21. Those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. And this whole idea that if you chase these symbols of success in our world today and you don't have the finances to actually pay for them, you'll get yourself into trouble and you'll find yourself in a position you never wanted to be in, trying to pay off debts that you don't want or you don't really need in that sense. In fact, that's, um, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but this fascinating, this whole thing. This is another discipline that we need to actually act on in our lives. And it's hard when everything around you is pushing you in the other direction. But if we do it, then we'll always have enough. And Proverbs 21, just a little further on, says this. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, and they're kind of luxury items for that pe those people in that day. But fools gulp them down. In a sense, you know, if you live simply, you'll always have enough. There'll always be enough there for you. All right. Then the fourth thing we can say is avoid debt in this sense of what are the things we can actually do uh, and what are the wisdom from the Scripture. Avoid debt. Now, I know this is a massively complex area, right? So I understand that. I, and this is just a simple principle because I know there's good debt and bad debt and there's no things you have to do and sometimes you get caught in a situation where you have to actually take on debts that you might not have wanted to. But as a general principle, avoid debt as much as you can. Because, and again, our culture today makes it really difficult because there's all these buy now, pay later schemes. There's all this pressure to get it now and pay for it later. And it all sounds good, but all it's doing is stirring up this sense of um, this sense of covetousness in us, to want stuff, more stuff, all the time. We've got to get control of that and avoid going into debt and taking on these things because, this is what the Proverbs say, Proverbs 22, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. And this whole idea of if you get yourself into debt, you then become the servant of your master, who is the person who you have loaned the money from. And you are not a servant of the living king, the living God, because you've got yourself in a situation where you're in debt and you've got to pay that first. Now, there's a whole movement going today. Now, this is the opposite side of the pay now, um, sorry, buy now, pay later thing. Um, where, and I don't know if you've heard much about this, uh, the whole minimalist lifestyle and the uh, homesteading lifestyle uh, this uh, tiny house lifestyle. I don't know if you heard much about it, but there are all these principles here about don't get yourself into debt because if you don't have debt, then you have choice 
and you can make choices to do the things you want to do rather than being forced and what they, the term, I don't know if you heard this term, become, uh, being a wage slave or a wagey uh, is what they, there's a nickname for it. Because then you're stuck, you're locked in a job that you don't like to pay the debts for the things you don't really need. And these people are actually, you know, uh, flourishing uh, on the land and outside of the cities because they're not in debt. And so that's another principle that the scripture gives us about wisdom with finances. And then the last thing I want to say today uh, in this whole area, and it's not from the Proverbs, but Paul's wisdom to Timothy um, from 1 Timothy 6. It says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now, there's great wisdom in that. The fifth thing I wanted to say this morning, five points, is learn contentment. If we can learn contentment, then we'll actually be able to manage these other pressures that are being put on us all the time in the modern world. If you learn to be content with what you have now, then you're not continually chasing something else. And if you've heard that phrase, it won't make you happy anyway. If you're not happy now, you won't be happy then. That's just a simple principle. Now, fascinatingly, this is, again was when we first started the partnership with Uganda. If some of you were, around, were back in that day. Now, the first team that came back from Uganda, I ended up chatting to one of the guys who was on that team. And he said something profound, or he'd been profoundly impacted by what had happened while he was there. Now, he was in, you know, had a good job, nice house in a nice area, all the things, all the symbols of modern kind of success in life uh, in that sense. But he still wasn't content. He was always talking about the next thing and getting the next item, and the next bit of tech or the next car. Now, he said, when he was there, he said... I, God just spoke directly to my heart and it was like one of these aha moments that changes everything. He said he was in one of their mud huts in Uganda. Right? They were out in the village, um, in the mud hut. He said it was smaller than his lounge room. The hut they were in was smaller than his lounge room with a dirt floor. It was the bedroom, it was the kitchen, it was the dining room, it was the lounge room, it was everything for this family. Fortunately, it wasn't the bathrooms, they were outside. Um, and he said, I'm thinking to myself, how do people live like this? How could anyone live like that? And then it was like this light just went on for him. And he looked around and he saw them all smiling and laughing and them all interacting together. And he said, suddenly I realized, these people are happier than me. They've got almost nothing. They've got less than 1% of what I have. And yet they're 100 times happier than me. And it was this moment where God said, you need to be content. They are content. You're not content. And that was a transformative moment for him. Um, and, and glad to say, he went on to kind of really start to work on this being content with life. Uh, and it transformed him and his life. So that's the, the last thing I want to say today. The first one is we need to put all our trust in God. Seek wisdom first. And what can you do about that? Start reading the scriptures regularly. While we're doing this series in Proverbs, read the Proverbs each day. If you read one proverb a day, you'll be done through, pretty much through the book before we finish this series. If you're really keen, read one in the morning and one at night. It's good for your soul. 
you'll gain wisdom from doing that. You'll see what um, God is talking about in these areas. The second thing we can do then is think long term. So start putting a plan together. Now, last week I said, last week when I was at Rosebud, I said, oh, you know, start thinking in a 20-year time frame. Time frame. Then I looked out and I thought, oh, some of you don't have 20 years. You know? <laughs> but I should have filtered that because there was a lot of people going... <laughs> so just think as long-term as you can, all right? It's... But the scriptures are that. Let's think long-term. Let's put some plans in place in this area. Don't let it be the focus of your life, but actually take control of it and understand it and have some plans around it. Then simply, live simply. So if you're a person who loves luxury, and who doesn't? Like, let's face it, we all love to have kind of a a life of ease and peace and all those sorts of things, right? We all love that. But try to try and live more simply. So if, think of one thing in your life that you could be without, and then just start being without it. You know, there's a great um, principle around fasting, in this. Just fast for one meal a week as a way of trying to learn contentment and saying, God, I want to be content with what I have. Or whatever it might be. Give a watch away, especially if it's $3,000. No, whatever it might be. Try to live more simply. Don't upgrade your car when you can. You know, just keep the old one. Um, Whatever, whatever. I could go on, there's a whole list of things. Avoid debt, or if this is a problem for you, get some help. This whole thing of get help around consolidating debt and actually get rid of it out of your life so you can actually have freedom to do the things God might be calling you to do without the, the constraints of debt. And then the last thing, obviously, is learn contentment. And so what I can say about that is something practical you can start doing is each day at the end of the day, just be thankful for what God's given you that day. Look around. Every time you touch something in your house, be thankful that you actually have it. Every time you touch the fridge... Every time you turn a tap on, just be thankful for those simple things that God has provided for you and what a great blessing they are. You don't have to walk two kilometres to go and get water. It's right there, right there for you. Be content with the things we have. So if we can do those things, we'll be well on the way to having financial wisdom that comes from the scriptures and contentment that God wants to give us because that is a great blessing. Amen? Amen, Amen, yeah. Let me pray. Father, I thank you again for your word. Uh, Father, the the immense riches that are here, the nourishment for our souls, the focus for our lives, the things that actually deliver the things we think we're going to get from other things. Father, when we actually turn to you, when we seek your wisdom, when we seek the kingdom, you give us what we need and what we think we're going to find elsewhere. So, Father, I pray again that by your spirit, you will guide us and lead us and give us the wisdom we need to deal with this material world, to deal with the day-to-day. And Father, do it in such a way as to bring honour to your name and to be able to be a blessing to those around us. What a great thing that is. Amen. Amen.